Seth Spins contains mild adult language. The views of the members of this podcast do not reflect the views of Viking Fusion or Viking Fusion staff. Viewer discretion is advised. Hello and welcome back to Season 2, Episode 8 of Seth Spins. It's good to be back. We had a bit of a week or two break, just getting everything set up and good to go. Um, I have a very special guest on today, as I do usually most weeks, but... It's always a special guest, so I want to give them the limelight. Uh, this is my roommate and one of my very best friends, Noah Isherwood. Would you like to introduce yourself a little bit? Yeah, hi. My name is Noah Isherwood. I am a junior English major, um, and like Seth said, I am his roommate. And today we're going to be talking about the Beach Boys. Yeah, the Beach Boys, one of the most interesting pop-slash-surf-rock acts of the 1960s. Yeah. Uh, very, very seminal band. Oh, absolutely incredible work. Very, very important band. My favorite, um, which is sort of why we're talking about it. Um, but let's just let's just get into this. Let's let's start talking about like why they're important. Yeah. I know you have a lot of notes. Oh yeah, no, absolutely. And and Noah's done his homework too. He's listened to how many albums in prep? Fourteen. Which um, apparently the Beach Boys have over fourteen albums. There are a lot more than that. I was planning on listening to the entire discography. That didn't happen. I ran out of time, but I got all the stuff that was important. So, mm-hmm. so we we should be good. Yeah. <laughs> um, to sort of kick off this conversation, I want to start by going into genre because I think it's pretty important when you're discussing the Beach Boys because they almost pioneered two separate genres at the same yeah. time. Because at the beginning, they were sort of considered this like surf rock act mm-hmm. uh, especially in like the very late 1950s early 1960s mm-hmm. that was sort of their calling card but nowadays they've sort of been redesignated as one of the progenitors of pop music yeah do you personally agree with this do you see it in many any of their music oh absolutely i think it's, it's interesting the beach boys have always been an experimental group right even when they were just doing surf um younger fans at some of their surf concerts would actually boo them because they were taking this genre of surf music and redefining it. And they, their, their fans, some of them, thought, well, that's not what it's supposed to be, you know, because they, they changed it up. Um, and then, of course, you have, with the seminal album, Pet Sounds, you have this idea of this burgeoning pop sound, right, where it, it starts becoming less of a caricature of... Um, this teen, white, male, um, just fun summer surf vibe and more of a um, self-reflective, deep, emotional pop. And do you think that happened on Pet Sounds in particular or do you think that's another album or single that sort of... Pet Sounds is responsible for it Mm -hmm. because Pet Sounds is... So there's been a lot of debate, right? Mm-hmm. But especially when you talk about genre, you can't talk about the Beach Boys without talking about the Beatles, right? Pet Sounds followed the Beatles' rubber soul. Mm-hmm. Brian Wilson said, I really love that album. I don't want to copy it, but I want to do something spiritually similar, right? And so you had Pet Sounds come out of this, which experts and researchers and stuff go back and forth about arguing which is actually the better album rolling stone magazine rates rubber soul is the best rock album of all time mm-hmm. right or actually the best album of all time mm-hmm. um and pet sounds is number two but 
over the years it's been back and forth. Right. There's right. a fierce contention because they're both coming from a very similar place. Exactly. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, do you have any particular uh, favorites from Pet Sounds that you think kind of showcase that switch in genre from uh, surf rock? Because I know a lot of people, when they mm-hmm. think of the Beach Boys, they think of a lot of those earlier hits that mm-hmm. are more so designed for uh, surfing. Yeah, so Pet Sounds is a really cool album. Um, it starts out with Wouldn't It Be Nice, which is probably one of the most well-known Beach Boys songs of all time. Mm-hmm. And in, in that one, you know, traditionally, Beach Boys albums started out with this really strong surf mm-hmm just you know blast of audio of this this summer mm-hmm. surf thing whereas pet sound starts out with a very mellow sort of you know quieter mellow mm-hmm. more contemplative track and from the very get go you know this is something different and i know i've talked to you about this with uh, pet sounds in particular but before the beach boys sort of went into that mellower tone they were focused a lot more i believe on the instrumentation at that point but and it's not that they stopped focusing on instrumentation mm-hmm. in their later work and their most popular work, but there's definitely this air of the voice being the most important part of the song. Yeah, well, I think it's actually it's actually a little that's a little bit backwards if you look at the evolution of their sound, mm-hmm. right? So from the very get go, they were vocally driven. That's part of what made them set them apart from other surf acts, mm-hmm. right? That allowed them to their popularity remained high because mm-hmm. they were a they were driven by harmonies and they were driven by the sound of the falsetto and the, the vocal stuff. Um, and then when you get into Pet Sounds, you see Brian Wilson really starting to use a lot of studio instruments, mm-hmm. right? You have, let me see, they called it the um, the Wrecking Crew. It was this group of studio musicians. Rather than saying, it was rather than having a self-contained group, they he used the studio as an instrument. And so with Pet Sounds, you really see that. That that was the first full album where Brian said, I'm going to have full creative control over this entire album and what it's going to sound like from an instrumentation perspective. Mm -hmm. Because before that, it had been vocally driven. Um, And Pet Sounds sees that switch. Mm -hmm. And you can can hear that in the very first track where there's there's a a lot more attention paid to percussion. There's Mm -hmm. really complex chords. even more complex harmonies and these really big melodic bass lines that were absent in earlier work. Mm. So I think I think we're sort of getting into one of the questions that I wanted to sort of pinpoint, which is this sort of auteurship from one of the most important mm-hmm. members of the crew, uh, Brian Wilson, who you have to discuss when you discuss the oh, Beach yeah. Boys because he's just such a standout member in every single facet of his life. Mm-hmm. Um, still going. Oh yeah, he is still active in music, mm-hmm. which is absolutely incredible. But um, pioneering everything from the very idea of the musical auteur, which was an idea that basically did not exist at the time. No, absolutely did not. No, he. You, you had a couple of rock musicians, a couple of jazz musicians that were definitely more popular than others. Yeah. And definitely had their signature sound. Mm-hmm. But most of those were coming from a place of jazz or coming from a place mm-hmm. of earlier rock music, yeah. where it's less so about their. Um, music in its form of, in, its, in its general form but more about the ability of the player right so like a Johnny B. Good it, it, a yeah, lot of that's yeah, about the ability yeah. of the player you have right? your you have your Chuck Berry mm-hmm. as opposed to your Brian Wilson Brian Wilson is not he's not instrumentally talented exactly right Chuck Berry is a phenomenal guitarist but he was never trying to do that kind of music in right 
whereas you have Brian Wilson, he looks at the music as a whole. Mm-hmm. He's not taking this really powerful guitar riff that he can play really, really well and then capitalizing on it. He's saying, I have this lyric and I'm going to build everything else build everything around else around it. it. It really lines up with the idea of authorship in general because mm-hmm. the idea, in, for example, in film, which I believe is where the term sort of tends to go, yeah. is that you are taking control of every single facet of the production. Right. So when you look at a musical auteur such as Brian Wilson, you are looking at their music. Yeah, and, and he was really the first. He right. really was. It was unprecedented at the time. Um, and a lot of a lot of the Beach Boys struggles came from this, where it was unprecedented at that time. This is the mid, even the mid to late 1960s, where you have Brian Wilson is saying to Capitol Records, I want full creative control of my record. I want full creative control of this album. Mm-hmm. That was completely unheard of, right? You had these big producers that worked for the record labels, mm-hmm. but then you had this 21-year-old kid, Brian Wilson, who is saying, hey, I have this record. It's a whole record, and I did everything. <laughs> I am the... You know, I'm the sole producer of this record, um, which is which is crazy for the time, mm-hmm. um, because he had full creative control. He decided ultimately what it was gonna, what that sound was gonna be like. Mm-hmm. He used his two brothers and his cousin and his friend. You know, of course, the rest of the group, but he had full control. I think discussing Brian Wilson as a person is important when you're talking about what his music sort of takes from Absolutely. it. And I know you have a couple, at least, of like stories that are decently widely known. Yeah. But I think they're important to sort of get out there mm-hmm. to kind of yeah. paint a picture so, of what he's like. Yeah, there, there, there's a lot of stuff surrounding his personal life. Mm-hmm. He's in a much better place now than he was in the 60s. Mm-hmm. And I think most people could say that who are still around from that time. Mm-hmm. Um, where he was, he was really... The definition of a troubled musical genius you know he he dealt with a lot of substance abuse mm-hmm. he dealt with a lot of confusion in his personal life because um whether or not he was being supported by his bandmates um there was a time when he he went from having full creative control to just completely being out of the loop right mm-hmm. and that really goes into the myth of brian wilson when you talk about th- the the album that never was Smile, mm-hmm. right? There's an album called Smiley Smile, but when Beach Boys fans talk about Smile, they're not talking about an actual album. It, it mm-hmm. never existed. It, it, they are referring to a set of studio sessions mm-hmm. where a lot of material came about, but before that material could be compiled into a record itself, uh, the band sort of split apart. And that's the crucial turning point mm-hmm. with the Beach Boys, and specifically for Brian Wilson, mm-hmm. because at that point, before then, he had complete creative control. And then he, when he was crafting his magnum opus, mm-hmm. this was supposed to be a follow-up to Pet Sounds that was to to use Pet Sounds as a jumping-off point to make an even better record. Which in and of itself, a crazy concept. Crazy. Pet Sounds is considered by many to be the best album the of all time. The best album of all time. So he wanted to do more. And it was it was accepted at the time to be the critical rock album, mm-hmm. right? Absolutely. And so he wanted to capitalize on that and he wanted to jump off to do he, even he more. Because he went under the gun of the Beatles. Like, he was... Oh, yeah, I mean... He was right before that In point. 1964, in 1964, the Beach Boys came back from their Australia tour and the Beatles had taken up shop, basically, mm-hmm. in American media, specifically close to home for the Beach Boys because they shared a U.S. record label. Mm-hmm. Capitol Records was the record label for both the Beatles and the Beach Boys at this time. Mm-hmm. So in his own backyard, 
He's seeing this happen, right? Mm -hmm. So with Smile, what he wanted to do was he wanted to use this for his magnum opus, basically. Mm -hmm. But the band didn't want to do that. They wanted to stick to the surf stuff. They didn't really understand this deeper emotional stuff that he was going for. Um, And they didn't understand the experimental sound either. Mm-hmm. So they wanted to stick to their roots. He said, this is our new direction, guys. This is what we have to do to survive. It didn't go over well. There were record label stuff with Capital. Mm-hmm. And so ultimately he said, scrap it. I'm done. Mm-hmm. Smile is no more. And after that point, he had such a such a level of <laughs> decreased level of involvement mm-hmm. where he was saying pretty much for every album, he would say, oh, here's this track, which he had taken from the... Um, sort of the corpse of Smile, mm-hmm. and he was injecting it into these albums. But the rest of that album, a lot of times, I think of 2020 in, specific, in particular, that album, mm-hmm. um, he didn't have anything to do with it, except for like one or two tracks, which were taken from the Smile mm-hmm. sessions. And it's, it's just this crazy, like, I don't want to say downfall, but it's just it is. crazy. I mean, I guess it is. It's it a, absolutely is. It's a downfall that's really tough to see because mm-hmm. he was at the height of his sort of career yeah. in terms of... Uh, oh, yeah. I mean, the high, they, they... Ideation. Exactly. They had... And, and commercially. Creativity. Creatively and commercially because, you know... We've already we've talked we've made much about how Pet Sounds is great in terms of creativity, but commercially the Beach Boys were, they were the act right. The two groups that survived the British Invasion were the Four Seasons with Frankie Valli mm-hmm. and the Beach Boys, so they 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 were commercially very successful. They even were able to make their own record label because they were having such big issues with Capital. They made their own record label, mm-hmm. and. Brian basically secluded himself in his home where he had his own home studio mm-hmm. and he was working on all this stuff and other people would come in. Mm-hmm. One of those people was actually Charles Manson. Yeah. Um, which is a, a whole nother story. Yeah. Which is a whole different story with, with Dennis Wilson and Charles um, Manson and Charles Manson that didn't, didn't really end well for yeah, anyone. I think most people understand where that's most going. people. Yeah. That, but it's just crazy to think that he worked with Charles well, yeah, Manson. No. So Dennis Wilson became friends with Charles Manson and he actually played a lot with the, the with the group, Brian didn't really like him, mm-hmm. <laughs> probably for good, good judge you know, for for good reason. Good judge of you know, um, but he played with Dennis a whole lot, and Dennis said we should sign him on the record. Mm-hmm. Brian didn't like him, but they still played together. And so one song, I can't remember which album it was, mm-hmm. um, but they actually included a song that Charles Manson wrote mm-hmm. on an album, but he was in debt. Like he he had defaulted on a debt to Dennis, so Dennis struck him from the credits, mm-hmm. which caused him to get very very angry. Right. So you can see where that leads. Yeah. So in in part, very small part, but still in mm-hmm. part, the Beach Boys were conflated in this the the Manson affair. Mm-hmm. You know, which is crazy. Putting it nicely, they all feared for their lives mm-hmm. for quite a while until he was at, eventually apprehended. Mm-hmm. Um, but that was that. It's just a good example of this absolute confusion that Brian Molson was going through personally mm-hmm. because he he would craft these sounds and he would come up with these lyrics and he would come up with these cool little riffs and beats mm-hmm. and things and he would bring them to the band and they'd be like, what are you talking about? Mm-hmm. Of course, that was like, he could only do that when he was sober. And people I mean, nowadays realize that it's all genius. Like every single thing every, he does is, is very, very innovative. It is. It's 100% innovative. And, and even nowadays, that's sort of what he's known for doing in music 
in popular culture. Mm-hmm. Uh, I remember listening to an album a couple of years ago by Janelle Monet, mm-hmm. and uh, the actual first song on that album featured Brian Wilson. I said, how's this going to work? And apparently right. it was just general musical ideas and like a little bit of a voice um, addition to the pop song. But it reminded me that a lot of people see him now. Um, and it reminds me of how some film stars star in some movies. Like yeah. whenever uh, Joker came out mm-hmm. and... Uh, was it Robert De Niro? I think it was Robert De Niro. Yeah. Like when Robert De Niro shows up, it's not because Robert De Niro may have been the best person to play the role, no, even though he did a great job. It's because he's it's Robert. because yeah. of the legacy and what you exactly you conflate the legacy with the actual power of the acting and the actual film. No, and that, and that's exactly what Brian Wilson has done. He has he has become this this name that also, pop music's grandpa. Mm-hmm. He, Basically, he is this name that also contributes very, very interesting and innovative ideas, mm-hmm. and putting those together makes for a really solid feature, a really exactly. solid producer, a really solid writer, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's it's fascinating life, mm-hmm. and the fact that he's still doing it. I mean, because the Beach Boys split around mm-hmm. 2000. There's, it was really sad. You see this with a band when they they were suing one another. They were, mm-hmm. I think um, it was Dennis and Carl actually got restraining orders against one another. Mm-hmm. Um, and so they split. So you actually have a Beach Boys, you know, act that tours right now, but that's not Brian Wilson. Yeah. Right, that's like... It's a different band. It's a completely different a, band. A, a lot Singing of, all the classics. A lot of older bands from the 60s and 70s, um, they actually rotated members mm-hmm. a lot of the time. And I think a lot oh, of yeah. people don't realize this, but for example, a King Crimson or like a Pink Floyd, right. a lot of those bands, or even the Beach Boys, well, they, they rotated, rotated members. members because at the time, before outfits were really becoming the Norman like band culture, yeah. you were inviting players for your specific albums based on touring. Yeah, no, it's, it's it all about touring. Skill, yeah. And that would constantly revolve oh, around. Yeah. And so you might have one album with a completely different set of people, and then the very exactly. next one might be a completely different set And that's set why people. you see this evolution in sound, right? Because Brian Wilson stopped touring with the Beach Boys in 1965. Mm-hmm. 1962 is when they actually started getting popular. The only, only, he was only touring with them for three years. Mm-hmm. The rest of that time, up until the late 90s, when mm-hmm. you actually start seeing bandmates die, mm-hmm. um, he was he never toured with them. Mm-hmm. He couldn't handle it. It's why a lot of older 60s and 70s albums have iconic particular covers because yeah. they're not talking about the band itself. They're talking about a very specific makeup that only lasted for a specific period of time. Yeah, when for a few about, months. When you yeah. talk about Pink Floyd, you're probably talking about four albums. Right. If any, if it, you might only be talking about the wall, you might only be talking about Dark Side Moon because mm-hmm. their band lineup eventually yeah. changed. When you're talking about King Crimson, you're talking about in the core of the Crimson King. Sure, you're not talking about any other albums most of the time. When you're talking about, and this one's a little bit rougher, but like Velvet Underground, you're probably thinking of the Velvet Underground and mm-hmm. Nico, yeah. like Sunday Morning. You know, with so, the Beach Boys, it's it's almost odd because they almost flipped that though. Mm-hmm. You know, because you have this constantly rotating um, touring. But you have at the creative helm back home mm-hmm. is Brian Wilson still. Yeah. So you have these key albums being um, Pet Sounds. In my opinion, Smiley Smile. Mm-hmm. It's a great, great album. Mm-hmm. Wild Honey. Yeah. And then you have their old surf stuff. Yeah. But that is what people see when they see the Beach Boys. When in reality, and I know this because I just got done listening to a bunch of it. An absolute metric ton of Beach Oh, Boys. it's so much. And there's and there's like there are country twists. There mm-hmm. are psychedelic twists there are hard rock twists it's all all quality from what i've heard it's all quality it just varies yeah because they were never known for any of those things that i just mentioned except for the except for the psychedelic i suppose because Mm -hmm. well they were around that period well because smiley smile is what widely regarded as apparently a really great album to listen to when you're coming down from an lsd trip Mm, okay um 
I can't confirm that or not, but mm. I can understand sort of the vibe. I get you. I get you. Yeah. Um, so you mentioned Smiley Smile, and it, you've said it's actually, in your opinion, your favorite album from the yeah. Beach Boys. Do you it's consider great. it better? I don't know that sounds? it's. I don't know that it's better than Pet Sounds. What What makes it more interesting to you personally? It's funny. It's That's weird. An interesting answer. I want to hear more about. That. It's weird. Pet Sounds is is very. It's not well. I guess it is serious. Mm-hmm. It doesn't have any filler. Right. Okay. Which is always helpful. Zero filler. Whereas, Wild Honey. Sorry, not Wild Honey. I'm talking about Smiley Smile. My bad. Mm-hmm. Get them mixed up. Smiley Smile. Is is just a weird album. Mm-hmm. Okay. There's second. The second song in the album is called Vegetables, mm-hmm. and it's just talking about how much they love eating fresh vegetables. And part of the recording is like they got a stick of celery and a mm-hmm. carrot and they bit into them really close to the microphone. Yeah. Which is just funny to me. It's yeah, it's, I mean, a, it's, it's, it's kind of a weird album. Yeah. I mean, Good Vibrations is on that, is on that album. Heroes and Villains is the first track, which mm-hmm. was released, um, when, when it was released, people didn't understand it. They're like, this is so not like the Beach Boys. Mm-hmm. When in reality, when you have Pet Sounds doing what it did to flip the script on what they were doing, mm-hmm. Smiley Smile makes sense. Right. Yeah. And so it's it's Brian Wilson's attempt to pick up the pieces of smile. The mm-hmm. way he called it a he called it a homespun smile. Mm, okay. So smiley smile is sort of it's like a, attempting it's like a, to put it together. It's like a homebrew. It's like a homebrew smile. Mm. In like the sense that he said basically, hey, let, like let's go to the gym and sing our parts. Like let's sit in the hot tub, you yeah. know. But like it was much more relaxed. Mm-hmm. It's much more it, it lost that sort of magnum opus mm-hmm. sort of air because he wasn't trying to make something like that. Yeah, it was... Because it was, when you're trying to make something that is a, your magnum opus, part of that comes from a hunger to actually create something like that. And absolutely. when you don't have that, it's very, 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 very difficult yeah. to well, create something Exactly. Like that. And I think it's it's more of a... Rela- it's a relaxation for him, mm-hmm. Smiley Smile is. Because... And you can see it with the the substance abuse overtones that he is he, that he mm. was living in but he also injected into his music it's almost like it's a it's an arc right where like yeah. there's this crazy wildness and then it, it ends with just this like i'm 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 getting hungry mm. to keep going the, 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 that that is the third to last track right mm. from there on out it's it gets more serious but it's almost like it was like it's like, it's a trip album Mm-hmm. So, I like it because it's more, it's more relaxed. It's more fun. Right. It's not. It's. It doesn't try to be serious. Pet Sounds is a very serious album. Yeah. No. It's. It's a major label release. Oh yeah. It's huge. Smiley Smile did not do well. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it did not do well at all, mm-hmm. commercially. Yeah. Um, How did it do critically? Critically, it didn't do very well at all either. Mm-hmm. It was. It was almost like people's expectations were so high with Pet Sounds. That you couldn't help but fall right. under them. Yeah. Whereas from the perspective that I'm coming from now, I really enjoy Smiley Smile just because mm-hmm. it's, it is like I've been saying so many times, it's, it's relaxed. Right. It's and laid It's back. innovative. It's different. And it's, and it's not, still different. It's not yeah. Sounds, it's yeah. not surf music yeah. at all. I mean, there's yeah. um, Little Pad on this album that mm-hmm. is about, well, I want to have a little pad in Hawaii. Right, so mm-hmm. there's still that like, there, there's still Pacific undertones. feel. I mean, there, 
they still have to appeal to the idea of the Beach Boys. It's exactly. still a band. They still want to have their. They're more. still self-aware about their roots, but but, but they're constant. They were, they were still trying to innovate. Exactly. Point, you know. Exactly. But I think they still do. It's just you know. Yeah. 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 Um, I know we've touched on this a little bit before, but it was one of my questions, and I did want to sort of go into it a little bit more. I wanted to talk about the concurrent British invasion that occurred in the mm-hmm. 1960s when the Beach Boys was. Uh, one of the two bands that stayed around along with Frankie Valley and the Four Seasons. Yeah. Um, why do you think that those two bands, and we can, we can put Frankie Valley in there because I think it's important. Oh, it's very important. But um, why do you think those were the two bands that everybody knows survived? Because I'm pretty sure those are the only two that anybody recognizes as having I've, made it past. I think it's because they were distinctly American. Mm-hmm. The Beach Boys, it's funny, like I said, they came home from a tour overseas and the Beatles were in full swing Mm -hmm. in 1964. In April of 1964, Brian Wilson wrote his last surf song. Mm -hmm. He was never going to revisit that. He was done. And immediately wrote, I get around, Mm -hmm. which if you're familiar with that song, it's Mm -hmm. all about this, this lifestyle of going out with the guys, might do a little bit of drag racing, might see if we can pick up some girls. Mm-hmm. Might go down to the, the the hamburger stand. Yeah, you know. So it's more of a, a general Americana idea. Yeah, and it went to the top of the charts that May of mm-hmm. 1964, which is during the you know the beginning, very very high popularity of the British invasion. So they established themselves as this American sound, purely American sound. Mm-hmm. Because I think what a lot of people not ignore, they're not aware of the fact because it doesn't sound like this. The the Beach Boys, Brian Wilson in particular, drew a lot of their, um, a lot of influence, a lot of ideas from R&B, from Mm -hmm. soul, from jazz. Um, And so the, the Beach Boys are a purely American sort of distillation of music. Mm-hmm. And you see the switch that responds to the British invasion, where they lean into that more. Mm-hmm. Again, with with I get around, um, with fun, 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 um, mm-hmm. and more their, their some of their car songs and stuff like this. You can definitely see that there's a heavy influence from the Beatles because you couldn't really escape it after exactly. that point when the Beatles became huge in America. Mm-hmm. Like when I hear. Um, wouldn't it be nice? I'm not getting a Beatles vibe from that necessarily. No. But when I hear I get around or fun, 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 there's definitely a sort of switch to that sort of help yep. kind of Yeah, no, absolutely. Sound. I would absolutely. say help in particular. Help in particular. Because that was 60, it was like late 60s, wasn't it? 67? I think it might have been a little earlier than that. It's, it's somewhere in that pocket, right. though. Where, exactly. Where they would have well, we been could, I point. think it's interesting you talk about that because the Beatles influenced the Beach Boys, mm-hmm. but it was also the other way around. Absolutely. Um, in fact, and I didn't realize this until I was starting to dig a little bit deeper recently, mm-hmm. um, God Only Knows by the Beach Boys is Paul McCartney's favorite song of all time. Mm-hmm. It prompted him to look into some more melodic bass lines. It prompted mm-hmm. him to experiment a little bit more. It was his favorite song. Mm-hmm. He also said that, um, which is, is, is crazy to me that Pet Sounds prompted Sergeant Pepper's Lonely Hearts yeah, Club Band. Yeah, I was going to mention Lonely Hearts Club Band. So you basically have Rubber Soul, mm-hmm. Pet Sounds, Sergeant Pepper's, mm-hmm. and then 
Smile was supposed to be the next thing, mm. and it didn't happen. So you have this back and forth. Yeah, I was going to say, is it a back and forth? It's a back and forth. It's not, oh, the Beatles influenced the Beach Boys and they changed. It's, it's, it's both. It's reciprocal. It's, it's very reciprocal. Where uh, one of the groups would put out an album, the other group would learn from it and then respond back with something new and innovative, mm-hmm. and it would just be this constant. Yeah, I uh, mean, because once Brian Wilson started listening to the the Beatles, he said, what we are doing now, the surf stuff, the car stuff. It's falling behind. It's not enough. <laughs> it's not enough Absolutely. yet. But I get around top of the charts. Mm-hmm. Well, it's, you know, back in the late 50s when surf was super popular. I mean, you can you can feel the contemporary 50s Americana that's mm-hmm. coming from that genre. And it's not going to hold up to a British invasion because the British invasion wholly shifted the media landscape yeah. in terms of music, in terms of everything oh yeah honestly well and i think the other reason the beach boys survived it was, it was part of america becoming a superpower because there was this sudden shift from everything having to be from an american point of view to being from an international point mm-hmm. of view you were able to take in media from other places yeah. and formulate it into something new entirely mm-hmm. and i think the beatles is just music's late oncoming of that yeah and i think it's interesting to think about the fact that after that, the Beach Boys were influenced by not just, you know, the British invasion, um, transcendental meditation. Mm-hmm. Um, you, of course, have the psychedelic scene, yeah. right? So it's it's everything, right? It, it's not just, you can't simply say the Beatles prompted the Beach Boys to change. Mm-hmm. That was maybe, a ca- it was a catalyst for mm-hmm. sure. But the, the thing about the Beach Boys is that they've always been their own sound. Yeah, absolutely. Even when it was just surf stuff. Like I was saying, vocally driven surf, which was not, it's the reason that they survived that era. Absolutely. Because it wasn't like anything else. It wasn't like anything else. It was very pleasant to listen to, and it still yeah. is. I love Pet Sounds. Oh, yeah. And I love all the stuff sort of oh, and stuff. And Good bef- Vibrations, I think, is one of the best singles of all time. Good Vibrations is amazing because, it, and it, you talk about one of the best singles of all time, if you think about it from a being it being a revolutionary single. Yeah. Because... Like I mentioned earlier, Brian Wilson using the studio as an instrument. Yeah. Something that he did with um, different tape splicing techniques, he would he would record in little tiny bits. He wasn't recording full takes. Yeah. He would record full takes with a couple instruments or mm-hmm. half takes or quarter takes, you know, with just short little bits of tape. And he would go home with that one little thing, He'd go away from the studio, he would think about it. He would listen to it, and he would keep writing. Mm-hmm. And he'd bring it back in, and they'd change it, and they'd keep doing it. So it was mm-hmm. much more of a. It, it was less, rather, it was less of a. Hey, we're get the band together. Mm-hmm. We're gonna jam. We're gonna record yeah. it. We're gonna be done. It was more of Brian Wilson saying, "Wait, wait, wait. Play that again. Yeah, and again, and again, and again, and again." Which is how music a lot of times is made nowadays. Exactly, yeah. it, and he really started that. He the studio and, becomes um, a creative space, exactly. which it wasn't necessarily. It was more of a jam space back then. Mm-hmm. You know, you had um, the the Beatles producers doing mm-hmm. something similar, but not to the, not the, not to that extent mm-hmm. until after Brian Wilson. Absolutely, and you had Phil Spector doing it, mm-hmm. right? But it was Brian Wilson who really said, "I'm going to take this. I'm going to apply it to this." Mm-hmm. Like you were saying earlier, making a pop sound. Yeah. Because it's not surf, it's not rock. What is it? Mm-hmm. It's the Beach Boys. Mm-hmm. It's wanna, a California sound. 
I want to pivot a little bit mm-hmm. from this conversation. I want to talk a little bit because the Beach Boys is coming from an earlier time period where pop music still hasn't quite entered the foray just yet. I mean, they're they're a seminal band. I mean, yeah. it it takes a little bit for like the Beatles and the Beach Boys to sort of create that forthcoming pop scene that we know today as popular music. Right. Um, so they're still recording in an age where most of their music utilizes uh, mono recordings. Mm-hmm. And essentially what that means is that the audio that is output when you're not sitting in front of the live band is identical between the two speakers. Yep. So there is no uh, panning of audio or anything like that, which I think we're very, very used to today. Yeah. Now that their catalog has been sort of re-released over and over again. So many times. Everything has a stereo mix too. Yeah. You know, they have mono mixes, they have stereo mixes, and a lot of purists have a lot of trouble figuring out which they prefer mm-hmm. because you have this big difference between... Do I go with the stereo mix, which might sound better in terms of... Or like, does it? Or in, does in it? In terms of like yeah. actual like technical, you know, this would sound more like mm-hmm. it would in real, pers- like real life. Or do you go with mono because that's how it was released to the public at the start and that's how the music was made? Yeah. I think purists would usually go with mono, but I... You would be surprised. But I want to know what you think. So I am divided about this and I've been thinking about it a lot recently. I actually listened to another podcast um, about music. It was a... Uh, on this on this um, topic specifically, the entire mm-hmm. podcast is devoted to dissecting different bands and albums mm-hmm. on a mono stereo basis, mm-hmm. right? And I listened to I think it I don't actually think it was Pet Sounds. I think I did Wild Honey, and I'd never really realized the differences before. Mm-hmm. Like I they're, they're, like they're pretty. I knew what they were. They're huge. Yeah, they're huge differences. I will say, mono is great. A mm-hmm. lot of people now will just sort of they will dismiss mono because it right out of the gate like lesser because it doesn't sound yeah. as good because to their thinking mm-hmm. i am a big fan of mono mm-hmm. for for a very specific reason mm-hmm. um if you're wearing headphones oh this is a good point if you're wearing headphones and you want to have one ear to and be able to listen to what's going out. on around you mono is you're going is to obviously get, superior. You're going to get every single sound that the band recorded from that one head. You're going to get the entire track and every nuance of the track mm-hmm. in the one ear. But if you go in stereo, you might not But if not you go in get, stereo... You might lose the percussion. You don't know. Sometimes you lose an entire vocal section, mm-hmm. and that obviously ruins the song. That ruins the song, absolutely. So it's something that you have to take into consideration personally mm-hmm. in terms of, like, specific context, mm-hmm. but... When it comes down to it, the differences, they are big. But something you mentioned, it was released in mono. Mm. It's all there, right? Yeah. What you're essentially doing is it's not quite to the extent of a remix when you go Mm. back into, like, when we think of a remix now, we think of, like, a different artist taking a pop song Mm -hmm. or a hip-hop song and creating their own riff on it, right? Mm -hmm. Whereas the mono stereo debate is much more subtle. It's a remix, but it's like, I want to talk about the percussion. I want to bring the percussion a little bit more up at these five seconds. Mm -hmm. And that might be great if you want to analyze the music that way. Right. If you're not going to listen to it with headphones, the stereo mix doesn't matter. Right. It it genuinely doesn't. The differences, while they can be large Mm -hmm. on a... They're large on a small scale, mm-hmm. right? So unless you are actually listening with at least average quality headphones, 
mm-hmm. or above average. Yeah. Preferably with which, the Which average. nowadays most people have. have. Yeah, most yeah. people have those. Music so, quality in general, streaming quality has gotten so good. Exactly. That most people have that quality. But if you're playing from a Bluetooth speaker or in your car. From your busted JBL speaker. From your busted old JBL. Blown out. You know, it's, it's, it's probably waterlogged, you know. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You've had it for eight years. It doesn't matter. Mm-hmm. Just listen to the mono. And you actually might be safer going with the mono. Mm-hmm. Because with the stereo... The, the worst that could happen is it doesn't matter. Mm-hmm. Or actually, the, And the mix could also change. Yeah. When mono is usually exactly how the band intended it to be released, stereo mm-hmm. mixes oftentimes change volumes. They change, yeah. I mean, they change everything. You know? And I think it's, it's, a, it's a slippery slope mm-hmm. when you get into this purist debate about which mix is best. Mm-hmm. Because if you really go, you know, brass tacks, mm-hmm. get it on vinyl. Yeah. That solves stop. everything. That solves everything. Yeah. But... That's very inconvenient. Absolutely. Right. Unless you are a genuine audiophile. audiophile. Yeah. And if, if you are more of a street level audiophile, which I consider myself to be, <laughs> it really doesn't Media, matter. You know, you know I, it, it doesn't, though. It doesn't matter. You know? But it's, Sometimes, it's, it's something well, that I think is worth bringing up. Yeah. You know? it's, it's cool because it's, it's whether or not you like the remastered version. Mm-hmm. The remastered might take some of, the, some of that static out. Mm-hmm. It might boost the bass a little yeah. bit, um, but it's not going to change a whole lot. M- yeah. My thing that I like recently, there's just one album, mm-hmm. and I know I've mentioned this to you several times. Mm-hmm. It's an album with the Beach Boys and the Royal Philharmonic Orchestra. Mm-hmm. Now, that is a true remix mm-hmm. where they have taken Beach Boys tunes and they have oh, <laughs> they have put them over massive orchestration. Mm-hmm. Full string sections, the horns, the whole nine, right? Mm-hmm. And it fundamentally changes the sound. Absolutely. So that's different. That is already in stereo. You need to listen to it with really good headphones. I highly yeah. recommend that album. It's very weird, but it's also phenomenal. I also highly recommend that album. It's absolutely incredible. I believe it is just called The Beach Boys and the Philharmonic Orchestra. It's just Orchestra. called, yeah, it's just called The Beach Boys and the Royal Philharmonic Orchestra. Yeah. Um, and it's crazy because it adds this massive depth. Mm-hmm. Um, whereas if you're talking about the mono stereo, and again, unless you're listening to it with really high quality mm-hmm. audio gear, yeah. you're not going to know the difference. Yeah. Unless, unless you listen to the songs over and over, over and over and over again. Something that I do is I actually switch back and forth between the mono and stereo mm-hmm. so I can see the differences myself. Yeah. Um, not often because that's kind of annoying. No, Absolutely. Not kind of. It's really annoying, especially when you just want to listen to the song. <laughs> right, right. Um, but if I'm listening to it by myself, I'll choose stereo. Yeah. Where I can actually just sit and close my eyes and listen to it. Otherwise, you have to go with mono because it doesn't yeah. matter. I think we've gone over a really nice like breadth and depth uh, discussion regarding the Beach Boys. And yeah. to sort of wrap up the conversation, I just want to bring in a couple of sort of related tangential bands, albums, et cetera, mm-hmm. et cetera, from you and me that just kind of give a nice overview of the time period and all that kind of stuff. Just sort of the general topics we've been discussing today. Obviously, I think I want to recommend my favorite uh, Beach Boys song, which you've already mentioned, but uh, Wouldn't It Be Nice, Mm -hmm. I think is an incredible song. Classic. Um, Absolutely incredible song. I want to recommend Help by the Beatles. I know everybody's heard the Beatles over and over again, but I think that one in particular pertains to the conversation. It does. Um, And then I also want to recommend a band that I found a couple of years ago 
from the early 60s uh, psychedelic scene that's also one of my dad's favorite bands, and it's called the 13th Floor Elevators. <laughs> and it's their self-titled album, and it's absolutely incredible to listen to knowing how old it is. Mm-hmm. But it's a, it's a really great listen. So I want to recommend those three things, and I want to go ahead and let you... Recommend? Can recommend I? Oh, I get stuff. to recommend. Oh, nice. Yeah. This is cool. It can be um, Beach Boys related. Well, um, it's obviously it's going to be Beach Boys. Yeah. I am a huge. They're my favorite band. I have to. Yeah. Um, if you haven't listened to Pet Sounds, you owe it to yourself because it's just important. And you've probably heard the songs, but you've probably heard some of the songs. But, but if you you got to listen to the context. album, you got to listen to the context. Yeah. You got to get the album. Um, and then as a, I'm a big album listener. Just mm-hmm. I I really like people make albums for a reason. Mm-hmm. You know, they obviously make singles for a reason. Mm -hmm. Listen to an album. Mm -hmm. That's my little shameless plug. I agree. Um, Smiley Smile. Mm -hmm. Smiley Smile. That's Pet Sounds and Smiley Smile. If you were going to pull one or two tracks from each album, I would say, wouldn't it be nice? Mm -hmm. Um, I would say Heroes and Villains, Vegetables, and Let's Go Away for a While. That's a really good instrumental track that gives you this idea of this atmospheric feel that I think is criminally underrated when it comes to the Beach Boys. So that's what I would recommend. It's great stuff. Um, I just want to remind everyone listening to the podcast that I'm going to be adding a lot of these songs to the actual associated playlist on Spotify. You can find it on Viking Fusion's website, and it's also under my Instagram handle and my bio at Seth Chambles, though. Uh, thank you, Noah, for coming on. This has been a really good talk. It's been great. I've, it's been awesome. Thank I've, you for I've enjoyed it. Thank you for coming on. Yeah. Appreciate it. Um, I will see you guys possibly next semester. I believe this has been the season finale, so it'll be exciting. Nice. Bigger, better, more bombastic. <laughs> Onwards and upwards. Exactly. <laughs> thank you guys, and have a good rest of the day.